Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Playful Humans podcast. I'm your host, Mike Montague, and my guest this week, comedian, writer, and podcaster, Karen Morgan. You can find her at karenmorgan.com or the Purple Bike podcast as well. And you can find me at Playful Humans, where we uh, take the burned out and bored and we get them a little more fun, flow, and fulfillment in their life. Our mission here is to help all humans have more fun and be more playful. Go check out playfulhumans.com and take the personality quiz. You can find out how playful you are and what your favorite ways to play are. Playfulhumans.com slash quiz. Here we go. Nicely done, Karen. Breaking out the moves already. I like that. I'm working out my mom moves. So that's my, I've embarrassed my children again, and that's my job. So there you go. I feel like that's one of the beauty parts of like being a mom though, is that you get to do those things and embarrass them. And there's no, there's no pressure to like look cool or or to dance. like. There's no pressure whatsoever, ever again, your whole life after that. So don't just (laughs) do whatever you want to do. It's fine. It's all good. Awesome. We like to start with the joke of the week. The joke of the week is brought to you by Zoom. Sorry about the pandemic, but we're killing it over here. Zoom. Uh, see you on a, a Zoom meeting uh, probably today. Uh, okay. You have a, you have a joke for us, Karen. What's yeah. our joke of the week? And, and I told you, Mike, that when I don't have a favorite joke of my own because I do write all of my own material. So this is a right. street joke. And a street joke is something that you can tell your friends. I didn't write it, but other people wrote it. And it's just kind of fun. So... Yeah. A blonde, a brunette, and a redhead escape from jail. And then when the police start to find them, they go hide in a barn. And then when they get closer to the, to the barn, the blonde, the brunette, a red, and the redhead hide in these burlap sacks. So the police start kicking the sacks and they kick the sack that's got the brunette in it. And she says, meow. And then they kick the sack that's got the redhead in it. And she says, woof, woof. And then they kick the sack that's got the blonde in it. And she says, potatoes. <laughs> I like that one. That's good. Potatoes. <laughs> I do feel like it's a lot of pressure as a comedian. So maybe that's where I'll start with my questions for you is it's one of those things about I do public speaking and I have a couple of presentations next week about how to give presentations. And that's way too much pressure. I like a low bar. Yeah. Right. So when yeah. you call yourself a comedian. Is there imposter syndrome or do people immediately say, like, say something funny? It, well, yes, that they do say something funny. And I generally like if I'm sitting on a plane when 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 I used to sit on planes and people ask me what I would do, I say I'm a mom. I'm a mom. It, you know, look, very low bar. You know, yeah. I am a former trial attorney. I, I sometimes will throw that in oh, if I feel like nice. I need to tell somebody a, a profession of some sort. I'll say I'm an attorney. I I rarely say I'm a comedian because it's a completely different, people have a different view of what comedians do. And, you know, I am not your typical comedian. I'm not a club comic. I I do different types of, of work. So. Well, tell me more about that. So obviously you have the the podcast and people can find you on the website, karenmorgan.com and learn mm-hmm. about all the stuff you do. Right. But um, how would you, what do you do for work and what's your, your day-to-day look like? Oh, I have a, th- I'm, you know, those plate spinning people, 
I spin yeah. plates, you know, between the kids and what I do. But I started out um, in, at stand up as a finalist on Nick at Night's Search for the Funniest Mom in America. And that was back in 2005. And we were doing stand up and, you know, I was very, I was brand new to it back then. So I, after that, I started going into performing art centers and theaters. So I never really did. We had a, I produced tours as well. So I produced oh, cool. a tour with a couple other, the ladies that were, were in Nick at Night with me. And we toured for five years doing theater shows. We weren't in comedy clubs, you know, we were in, right. you know, theaters. And so a little bit different type of a show. It's a cleaner show. I'm a clean comic, but I, I, I'm not a prude. If you ask my kids, I there's plenty of swearing in my house. But <laughs> <laughs> when I go on stage, um, you know, I'm my comedy is clean and it's more appropriate for a theater setting than a comedy club setting, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it makes a, a ton of sense. And I find a lot of people that play for a living and have found their way to make a career are similar. They do a lot of things. They like to be creative, try stuff. And sometimes one thing might pay the bills or it might not. And so you yeah. got to find a lot of ways to to make money and keep yourself busy. And yeah. Refuel creativity too. I, I think that's one question for you that I, I think is interesting is you've been doing it for a while. How do you stay creative and keep coming up with new material? Because I, I feel like some <laughs> of the touring comics, they're just doing the same thing. You're like a rock band, right? Where we're going to go play in the same 12 songs every night for the next 300 nights. That never sounded like fun to me. Uh, so I've been a live person where I make it up. I don't have any written material. I just always perform live and I go and wing it and whatever happens, happens. But I feel like comics sort of are in the middle where you got to get new stuff, but you also write and prepare ahead of time. Is, yeah, is you do. You and it, it depends on, you know, you, you're, you're constantly writing. You really do have to constantly turn your material over. But, you know, let's say I'm going to do an hour headlining set. I'm not going to have an hour of new material every time. You know, you right. as you as you're doing shows, you'll write a new bit, you'll have some new material, you'll slide it in there, and then, you know, as you go on and perfect it, it the new stuff is always being worked, always being perfected. So, that is what I'm drawn to a lot in the comedy business is the writing process and how it works. And not everybody understands that. You have a little more knowledge about it, but it, it, it's not everybody understands that you don't show up and do a brand new hour every night. And it is definitely not, you know, an hour headlining set of, of stand-up is not off the top of your head. It's, just, it's right. just not. You know, you may, there's a lot of great people that do a lot of great crowd work and that does, that's always new. Um, I do a touring show called Lawn and Disorder and my, my partner and, and I in that show, we do a game show. We bring people up on the stage you know we have an interactive piece so that part of the show is new and different every time but then our stand-up sections you know we that's stuff we've already done before so the trick to comedy and stand-up in particular is to to do your material and make it sound like you just came up with it but no one does <laughs> yeah i i think that is uh, it's the hard part of it for sure is you have to enjoy the process of writing and creating the jokes, not yeah. getting on stage. And, and so sometimes those are different things, right? And you have to kind of find what yours is. I love the being on, on stage part, but sometimes I don't love all the stuff that has to do to get up to the stage part so I can delegate that or, or find other opportunities that way. But how, how was it for you and how did you get started into this? So in 2005, what happened? Were you already, and you mentioned the locker as well. What, 
happened as the the switch for you? And were you always writing stuff and just finally got the guts? Or uh, tell me about that story. No, basically, the, the short answer is I had three kids in three years. So I was I after my second child was born, I stayed home and I was home full time mom at home. And so I had three babies at home. And I just took a, a class at the local comedy club to just get literally get out of my house, literally oh, get cool. out of my house and finish the sentence. So and then while I was taking that class, the teacher that I had, who was a wonderful guy, um, sent my tape to Nick at night and said they, they were having this contest at the time. And because I was home with babies, all my stuff was very mother centric. So um, he sent my tape in and I that process was really great. We They had like over a thousand entries and then they narrowed it to 21 and we went to New York and then they narrowed it to 14 and we went back to New York and then they narrowed it to seven and we went back to New York. So it was a long process. And I just learned a lot really fast about the business. But the writing process is what keeps me here. You know, I, I think if it was just getting up on stage and doing a show and doing all that, I, that's great. I enjoy that part of it. But the, the creating and the writing is kind of where it's at. So my my current thing of, of, of writing podcasts and, and writing sitcoms and writing other things that I'm, you know, that I continue to do, and more so because of the pandemic, because all the live shows are canceled, obviously. Right. I do a lot of Zoom shows. You know, I've adapted to doing a Zoom show. And I actually kind of enjoy that because it's kind of different from the normal stuff. Like I can use certain props and things that because I'm here with my camera that I wouldn't be able to do on a stage with a big theater audience. So, yeah, so I just sort of I kind of fell into it through Nick at Night Search for the Funniest Mom in America by accident. I really wasn't intending to. I'm going to be a stand up comic. I was like, well, this is fun. (laughs) And then I met a bunch of people and then I became, you know, I became a producer of a live tour. I eventually um, became the producer of the Nantucket Comedy Festival. I did that for five years. And so I enjoy this business. I enjoy meeting other comics. I enjoy meeting the people that are, you know, just really great in the craft. It's I have a lot of respect for for my peers. Yeah, I guess I'll agree with all of that. That was uh, a super awesome, and, and thank you for sharing. But what came came to mind for me is also that transition from like the serious, respected day job, like you said, you can say on a plane, to kind of being creative and, and creating for a living, and not knowing where the next gig is or, or things like that. What has it done for you? You've obviously stayed with this. So is there benefits? Is it just more fulfilling? You feel like you get to express yourself or what are the differences for people that don't know? In terms of the, like? in terms of the, the profession or the craft? Well, I make a living. I, yeah. I do because I'm not a tour, I'm not a road comic and which, and I, and I respect those guys too. That is a very, right. very hard job. But because I got into it later in life, you know, I, I'm not one that was going to be a road comic. That's just not, that wasn't appealing to me. But, you know, I do a lot of corporate work. I do a lot of fundraisers. So I do a lot of shows that allow me to pay the bills and make a living at what I do. And that actually sort of gives me also the, the flexibility to say, hey, I'm going to write a spec script this week. Or, you know, there, there's other things. And those are sort of like, you're not getting paid for those things. Right. But you're still writing and you know, and a couple of things, you know, every now and then something's going to catch hold and you, but you don't know. So you keep doing them. But in the meantime, I'm going to do another corporate gig today so that I can pay the bills to do these other things that I enjoy. Yeah. I guess, tell me about that balance. Uh, how much of it is writing for you and doing what you want to do and just living the life that you want? And how much of it is 
professional where we pay you to write or or perform and you're doing this for us not for yourself well i have to have to split pre-pandemic <laughs> to pay you know <laughs> that's true yeah i think feel like everything we talk about now has an asterisk on it he's like before covid and after so i feel like one of these people like before the illness you know before mm-hmm. before the locusts came I would say in a, in a in a real case scenario, it's probably half and half. You know, and, you know, that's 50, good balance. Yeah, it's it's a good balance, I, and I think you have to throw travel in there, and I'm sure you deal with this as well. But when you're traveling all the time, that's another part of your job that there's nothing fun about it. That's what and they it pay takes, you for yeah, it, right? it, to me, that's part of the that's your job, and that's you you got to get to the gig, and so. Being able to do Zoom shows for, has been kind of freeing in a way that I can literally do it from here, you know. And I, I have a green screen, and I have all you know all that you need to have. But I'm I got a nice top on here up, and then below I've got my sweatpants still on. So today I'm I apologize too. I'm sure <laughs> important. No. Yeah. So the travel comes in the time, and that's part of the job. But that's part of the job, you know. So you you when you're traveling, you have less time to sit down and be creative at your desk and be in your mode. So pandemic has been wonderful for that, which led to the podcast and other things that I'm doing. Yeah, I think that's what I found too. I was going to say that earlier when you mentioned Zoom is you really get more time of doing what you enjoy doing because yeah. now I can walk from having lunch and relaxing to, oh, I'm on, on stage and it was 15 minutes. It wasn't a whole day of yeah. travel and, and sleeping in a hotel and not getting good sleep and then getting up and getting prepared and trying yeah. to find food. Like that's why they pay you big dollars for yeah. corporate speaking gigs is to put up with all that stuff, not for the hour you're on, on exactly. stage, right? Because you would do that part for free. Both of us sounds like, right? Yeah, that's fun. And then I'm wondering, um, I think, you know, for people that aren't creative or people that don't play for a a living, do you have any advice for people that want to start writing or they feel like they're funny, but they want to commit to a show or or turning pro or even just practicing like an open mic night? What would be recommendations? I will, based on my experience, which was a really good one, was, you know, taking a stand-up class, taking an improv class, taking a class where someone guides you through sort of, okay, here, these are like the rules, you know, these, because there are certain etiquette rules in stand-up that you don't know about until you kind of enter that world of, you know, you got to stick to your time, you know, you've got to do certain things. And I, I feel like taking a class, even if it's at a local comedy club, and you know, now a lot of people are doing classes on Zoom. If you have an interest in it, take a class. And that class, you know, when I first started taking my class in 2005, or actually 2004, whatever it was, you know, we learned to write five minute bits. You know, we learned the writing process. And then you learn that, okay, now I've got five minutes, I'm going to stick that with another five. And you learn to sort of grow the material. So I, I think, you know, if anybody has an interest you know, take a class. I, um, you can watch other stand up. You can watch other improv to appreciate it. But I, I tell people, don't, don't, don't copy, you know, don't, don't try to right. be those people because the number one rule to me, and it has worked well for me is just be yourself. You know, if you're yourself, you can be a cartoony version of yourself. You can exaggerate a few things of your personality, but don't try to be another comic. It's, it's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. Be yourself and have fun, but, but definitely try it. Don't be afraid to try it. Yeah. Uh, that's all great advice. I, I love and, and second all of that. And I guess that brings us to what do you find funny and, and how do you find funny 
material for for yourself? Uh, I'll start with the second part. I, my, it lives in my house, <laughs> so <laughs> you know that all three I, of them still. Yeah, yeah. So we're all here. Yay! Um, <laughs> I, you know, I my, a lot of my material is about marriage, family, parenting. My my material is about being over the age of fifty. You know, my dry bar special, they renamed it. It was really funny. It was it had one name because they asked me what I wanted to name it when I was there. And I said, I don't know. And I gave them a name. And then when they put it on Facebook in December, they renamed it and it got two million views. And I think it's because they renamed it and it it caught differently because having that name. A search um, thing or something? Yeah. yeah. So, and, so the, the new name is I Stopped Caring When I Got Over 50 or whatever. It was it was something about not caring when you're over 50. And so yeah. a lot of my material is being in my 50s, you know, doing what we do in our 50s, which is not caring about things. And um, so my material sort of, it doesn't write itself, but it happens every day. And I just have to remember, oh, God, pick your pen up and write that because it'll go. Well, that's like, right. it, Where I was going to go with it is I feel like the hard part for me is I think of funny stuff all the time. And if I'm in a meeting, I always like joke and laugh and, and you find funny things that are are weird. And with the family, I can be funny, but I just don't notice those small things or I don't write them down and and capture them as much. And so is there a a trigger or is it just, you've learned like when you chuckle to yourself to, to write it down and it's really a trigger or are there other things that you think people miss that aren't comics, uh, that comics well, you, you, I think you do have to be in an ob- observational mode, which I'm at all day because I'm always like looking at people, you know, in the grocery store and I, you know, <laughs> I was in the, I was in the dentist the other day. I haven't even written this yet, but this is an example. This will become something eventually. Yeah. And, and I was in the dentist and there was some, a, a song playing and both of the hygienists were singing this song and it was an awful song and they were both just singing away. And I'm like, it was just sort of an out of body experience of like, first of all, I hate this song, but they really like it. And this is getting them through the day. And, but they were singing really loudly. Like it just wasn't what I would do, but I found it humorous that they were doing it, that they felt comfortable enough to me to sing poorly, loudly, a bad song in front of me. I was like, okay, whatever. That's what we're doing here at the dentist now. This is what, this is what pandemic has done to us. <laughs> this exactly. Yeah. Uh, we have no idea how to interact with other human yeah, beings. We don't know. Yeah. My one at the dentist is always, they ask me questions with fingers and equipment in your mouth. Right. Yeah. And I think lots of comedians have covered that, but you're yeah. like, how is that even supposed to work? Am I supposed to nod? Am I supposed to try to gargle a, a yes yeah. or a no? I don't, it's, I don't understand again, why that's, that's a, in the training. It's, it's know, a, that they talk but that's an example of why a lot of comedians have covered it because it is a common human experience. Right. So what I do is I take common human experiences, you know, being a mom is not, a, is not uncommon clearly dealing with kids, not on dealing with teenage, whatever it is, taking the common human experience and making an observation about it that allows people to say, oh, that is kind of funny. And when you get people that connect with you that are having the same experience, you give them permission to laugh at it. You're not the only parent of teenagers. You're, right. you're not the only one that wants to shoot your husband. You, you're not the only, you know, you're not, you're not alone in this. And so I think that's what I find fascinating about what I do 
as a connection with other people. Yeah, it gives them permission to play and laugh about yeah. it and to let those guards down and, and stop. Uh, we're all stressing ourselves the hell out, right? About stuff. <laughs> it's like, just take it down a notch. It's just life. Everybody's no. going through it. Yeah. No, that's my, but, my whole uh, thing. No one cares. No one cares what you do. Do your own thing. And then back to your influences or, or people that you find funny. What would you, say? you know, I, w- the people I find funny are the, the comics you're talking about in terms of com- other comedians or, or anything, you know, shows, influences, like uh, actors, what, anything that, that you find funny. I think I'm more, I'm appreciative of good writing. You know, I, I, like many people loved Shit's Creek and during pan- the pandemic, you know, I, wa- I think I've watched it twice through now, but I've been a fan of Eugene Levy since he was at SCTV. So, you know, I've been a comedy fan for many, many years. And then, you know, more recently, I'm appreciative of people like Brian Regan, who is an so amazing, yeah. amazing, talented guy. Also very, very sweet in real life. He's a good, he's a good dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way, the way he writes clean comedy about human experiences that just, you know, I'm, I'm in awe of, of people like him, Stephen Wright, who's a, a buddy. Um, he's another guy that's brilliant, completely different writing style from, you know, somebody like yeah. Brian Regan Most or, people, Jim, yeah. or Jim Gaffigan or any of those guys. But I'm, I'm appreciative of people that, that can write well. I, you know, I have to say, I respect clean comedy. I, I respect yep. people that don't have to rely on other particular language to feel like they, that it's funny. I don't, you know, I'm not a prude, but I don't feel like, I feel like it's sometimes a crutch for people. Yeah. And I think it's okay to to laugh at that sometimes. And it's okay. A lot of comedians joke about sex and other things that you're like, okay, that is part of the human experience for sure. Yeah. But I'm with you. I, I love uh, Brian Regan, definitely love Jim Gaffigan and Stephen Wright and uh, somebody like a Paula Poundstone. Oh too, yeah. She's just wonderful. One of the yeah. funniest human no, beings on the great. planet. I've seen her, I've seen her several times and met her a couple times and you know she does amazing crowd work too if you have never seen her live and you have the opportunity go see her live because her crowd work is amazing i will do that for sure and when you said mentioned that earlier i was thinking howie mandel i i saw in vegas one time and his crowd work was hysterical. My brother and I were just like crying, laughing uh, <laughs> uh, at his set. And it's weird because you see him in so many different contexts now. You don't know it, but that he was like just so honed in. And may, maybe I don't like saying people were born for that, but he may have just been born <laughs> or nurtured into being a, a stand-up comic. And the rest mm-hmm. is kind of the work for him, but uh, <laughs> hysterical. Uh, all right. Well, this is a play podcast. So we like to play a game, but I tell people you can't force fun. So so I'll ask you, would you like to play or would you like to walk away? I would, of course, like to play. All right. So we're going to spin our wheel of games and there's 10 games on here. Find out which one that you are going to play today. We got the whisper challenge again, the whisper challenge. So what this means is uh, everybody's had the experience over the last 10, 12 months of being on Zoom and somebody says something when they're on mute. So uh, what we're going to do is do it intentionally. I'll go first. I'll put myself on mute, say something, and then you guess. And however many words you get right, then that'll be your score. Does that make sense? Sure. We'll do it back. All right. So here you go. It's also really fun to put ourselves on mute for a podcast. Uh, so here we so go. helpful to mute yourself. Yeah. <laughs> right, what'd you hear? <laughs> I'm really not good at this game at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I have no idea. Like I have no, zero no. idea. Um, you want to do it one more time? Uh, sure. Or is that against the rules? Oh, there are no rules. We're just making okay. it up as okay. we go along here. All right, here we go. 
Okay. Any guesses? You you got one word? The something are my best friends. You nailed it. Bulldogs. Uh, I was going with your Georgia uh, thing. So. Uh, nicely done. So that was what one, two, three, four, five words. I you're I think you're gonna win here. But go ahead and put yourself on mute and well, let's see how I can okay. do. Okay. All right. Hold on. Oh my gosh! I got a couple. So it was my husband is the and then it got weird for me. So I don't know that I want to guess. Uh, but a dentist or a vegan. <laughs> oh, a vegan. All right. <laughs> awesome. I liked it. So that was I good, though. That was close. Yeah. Uh, five to three. Great score. Thanks for playing the game. Awesome. <laughs> so I feel like that earns you a, a free 30 second commercial here, too, for whatever you got going on. Tell people uh, if they want to find out more about you or, or stuff that you have going on, how can we help you? That would be great. So my website is karenmorgan.com and that talks about all my comedy stuff. And if you go there, please follow me. You can sign up for my newsletter. I don't share my mailing list, but occasionally we do give monthly prizes. So sign up for my newsletter. Yeah. They're really great things like gift cards to Waffle House and stuff. Um, And then the Purple Bike Podcast, which you can find on all the podcast places. But um, I also have a website for it, which is called thepurplebike.com. And tell us about the Purple Bike Podcast, because I thought that was interesting. It's fun. So the Purple Bike is, um, again, I started doing, I have actually have two podcasts. One is called Lawn and Disorder Podcast from the Suburbs. And that we started doing last April. That's with my friend. Since we're not touring, we do a podcast now. Um, but the Purple Bike is about the years 1975 to 2015. So if you are a Gen Xer, you will appreciate these years. And this is not intended to be a comedy podcast. It's it's more of a nostalgia sort of historical podcast. But I go back and I talk about all the songs that we were listening to and the TV shows and the movies and what what products came out and you know what we were doing in the world. Like right now, I'm on 1994 and I'm talking about OJ Simpson in the white Bronco. So I go back and talk about the things that happened in our lives. And I personally am getting a lot out of it because I'm playing all this music that we were that I listened to in college yeah. or I listened to in high school. And so I'm like, oh, I forgot that song. So it takes me forever to make them because I listen to all the music while I'm I only put I can't put all the songs on them. Right, but yeah, I had the best time making it because I'm going back and listening and just it's kind of a great trip down memory lane. Well, I love that. And I feel like we're at the perfect age where people are remaking our childhoods now. So they're bringing back all the shows that were on in that time and uh, all the toys and games and movies. And it's been super fun, Uh, like Cobra Kai uh, coming back from Karate (laughs) Kid and all that stuff. So that's great. I think you're right in the swing zone. I would definitely love that. So you got a new uh, subscriber today, at least one. Hopefully everybody else does too. Uh, Go check it out at uh, karenmorgan.com or thepurplebike.com for that podcast. Karen, thanks for being on the show. And for more information on Playful Humans, you can go to playfulhumans.com or take that personality quiz and share it with your friends. It's good fun. Uh, What type of player are you? Playfulhumans.com slash quiz. And as always, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Send us a comment or shoot us a note. And uh, until next time, go play. Don't wait for tomorrow.